Chapter 6 Ojai The time came clearly to leave Esalen as I was listening for my next step. My way during this year was to only speak when it was essential or when someone spoke to me, engaged with me directly or asked a question. Otherwise, I courted quiet presence. Until then, I had been using up so much of my energy trying to find the space to be heard. And often, as the only woman in grad school in much of my workplaces, this pattern had taken its toll. By the time I had a moment, at least somebody's attention, I no longer had access to the depth of what I wanted to say. This idea of responding only demanded or needed a very different energy. And I had no notion, really, of how challenging it would be, of how many projections my silence would elicit, as well as how much within me the silence would invoke. Here I discovered some of the seeds of a way of counsel. I would share when the talking piece, visible or invisible, was handed to me, and only then. One time I recall sitting through five days of a gathering of philanthropists, people seeking to do good, to be part of the healing, to care for each other and this earth with their earned or inherited wealth. No one during the break time engaged. I sat at meals in silence or played my guitar on the porch. It was only on the last day did a man named Alan Slifka come over and introduce himself. In the opening round of the meeting, we had been asked what we loved, who or what inspired us as a way to introduce ourselves. He had heard me say dolphin and knew that we had something to do together. I knew too and was not surprised to discover after a conversation that it was he, his money and his care and curiosity that had paid for the capture of Joe and Rosie, the two dolphins, to be part of the human dolphin communication research with the lilies. Even so, even aware that Alan and I had this connection, releasing these two dolphins back to the wild did not still seem my responsibility. It had to be someone else's for sure. It would be two years of saying no to the lilies' ask for help before a yes arrived. Now, I journeyed to Ojai and began a lifetime there of voluntary relationship and service with the Foundation. Leaving Esalen, I had driven south, stopping at the juncture to Nasimiento, where Linda Tillington Jones had a ranch training people and training horses. She was, and still is today, dedicated to this path of healing through touch interspecies communication at its best. I had known, too, upon meeting Linda, like I had meeting Stephen and Meredith and Alan, that we would work together in some way, some day. Yet at the juncture, I asked again, not now. Almost like asking a horse which way to the barn, my car and I turned past the junction and headed towards Ojai. 
Coming over the hills and seeing Lake Casitas for the first time, my excitement rose. Ocean all the way, and now water like this lake, not far away, just over the pass. I had never been to Southern California until this year. Never till this moment, despite a lifelong dream to head west. Arriving on the ridgetop called the Ojai Foundation, I felt I had come home. It was time to say that, to feel that, to live that, find home truly wherever I was, and so many people and signs had led me here. It had all begun when I was studying Traeger bodywork one week at Esalen. The instructor told us we were switching focus one afternoon and would have the opportunity to sit with a well-known channel, Jenny and the Nine. Well, the only channels I knew were entrances to harbors, and the whole practice of such in California and beyond was way beyond my boundary. And beyond boundaries was, however, a new concept in my psyche and an important part of my sabbatical, or better yet, my new way of living life. So there was Jenny, along with the Nine. A reference to the Nine, entities said to be from the star Sirius. And we, we had a chance to hear from them simply by asking a question. I felt like a kid in a candy shop. At last, someone to answer my question. Where am I to be and what is mine to do? I even added, with whom? Jenny looked a bit dazed, glazed off towards the ocean and began, what best I could name at the time, speed writing. Later, I learned she sat this way for hundreds of people. She had influenced the futures of so many including the managers of Esalen, and this was called automatic writing, something that simply came through her when she surrendered, something that produced words, none of her own, her knowledge, or her opinions, only those of the nine. As I sat in a room of 20 waiting for the results, I too had become a stranger in a strange land. My rational, judgmental Connecticut route had been severed, or at least put at bay, and my heart-mind was open to the channel. Joan Halifax at the Ojai Foundation. Jenny read the words out loud and clear. The session was over. Only minutes later, I walked into the dining room, and the Esalen head cook approached me, a rather spiritual-looking creature in the lineage of Jesus that I had smiled to each day when passing through the food line. He came up and said that he had heard I was researching alternative centers focused on healing, and particularly the connection with nature and the earth. He knew Joan Halifax, he knew of her vision and dream that had recently begun in Ojai and was certain that I should meet her and that I should travel there. He would make, he said, any arrangements necessary. Wow, 
I had hardly ever heard of Joan Halifax except that she had briefly been married to Stan Groff, the man I had been an intern with. Now, a month later, here I was on New Year's Eve, driving south with great trust and innocence. Three more people after John had told me about Joan, Ojai, and a cross-cultural focus on the roots of peaceful culture. How could I not go to meet a woman who is looking for allies, building a dream of living and working for such a culture? It all struck me as a very different kind of settler possibility. One connected to deep care and respect for the earth and for earth ways, embodied by different cultures around the world. Something at last, yes, was coming around a follow-up to my earliest feelings of being more at home in any mixed company or culture, especially an international mix. My earliest learnings and findings of the sacred in everyday life when working in Indonesia. My earliest discovery that my health, my physical well-being, was connected to my spirit, my mind, my heart, my soul's journey my more recent confirmation that my relations with water and land, with living my belongings to this earth, was my only way home. The morning after arriving to a New Year's Eve lodge ceremony, Joan and I walked the land. It continued to be love at first sight, with Joan and the upper Ojai Valley. In the middle of a large meadow, a place seeming to be kind of a womb within the 40 acres. There was one lone statue. It was made of wood and stone, a coyote going through a brick wall and transforming, literally coming out the other side as a dolphin. What's that story, I asked. This land, Joan offered, was some say a gathering place for the Shumash. Many of them are still nearby. They are the dolphin tribe. In the months, years, and stories to unfold, I would learn more. But I felt, still, the connection with the dolphin was here and with me. For now, I could only grin that although I was 20 miles inland from the ocean, and had left my ocean home behind, I had landed with the dolphin dream well intact. Everyone in the early 80s at the Ojai Foundation lived in tents or the one RV. That RV served as an office headquarters, a sometimes kitchen for a gathering, while a place of refuge in the heavy winter rains. Ojai. The word some say translates as nest, Others say mud. For us, those early years, both names suited. And over the next 20, I would come and go as needed, as called, as guided, serving in whatever ways I could with whatever seemed needed or I had capacity for. Dishwasher, program coordinator, gardener, pilgrimage co-lead, community ombudsperson, council carrier, and eventually I agreed and surrendered to be co-director and co-chair of the board. No job was too small, 
and truthfully, every job was too big. There were a few of us only most of the time who did anything and everything, and I was not even a stable resident as some were, but held a beat of five months a year average. This reflected my feelings to never settle on that land, but rather to learn how to be a steward, a student really of place, of nature, of community in its local and global definition. I never felt to build or claim a permanent home at the Ojai Foundation. Home came in another way, and settling on that ridge felt out of sorts, not right on some explainable and some less explainable levels, at least for me. As well, I had commitments still with a shared house in Colorado and a call to continue my international work and service in some form. And the fact was that the Ojai Foundation and Joan were not even offering jobs as much as offering opportunities in a shared vision. This spoke to me. There was a chance here to use my privilege at the time in voluntary service. To have enough that I did not need to earn my wages was a freedom that I wanted to use well. And so I joined with Joan and with others who too had somehow been called to this ridgetop to create sanctuary, a retreat center, a mystery school, a dream and an experiment in living sacred relationships with those who had come before, those here now, and those who would come. Every weekend, teachers came, healers came, neuroscientists sat with Aboriginal elders and Tibetan Rinpoches. This became our rhythm and our journey. The weather dictated when we met, and nature was more in charge there than any program coordinator or plan. The land as healer and teacher kept many together through difficult times, and I must say spun out an equal amount. Over the years, some core faculty kept returning while new ones arrived. Many ceremonies there changed people's lives forever, including those of the teachers. Thich Nhat Hanh, newly arrived on Turtle Island, asked for our help in Americanizing in the best way possible the Buddhist vows. Grandfather Semu, Shumash Elder, met many other dolphin people, which seemed to widen his heart and perspective and teachings. He now had an attentive group. Even kids from different schools came to listen to his stories. Chakdu Tuku Rinpoche shared that he and we were part of a prophecy come true as he met and sat with other red people, the native elders of Turtle Island. Whether North or South American, Asian, African, Tibetan, or Pacific Island peoples, many came together from many earth-cherishing traditions in their prayers and pathways for peace. Métis, mixed bloods, were finding their voice and ways often left or torn between the red and white world and the traumatic history of this land. They, with many others, from different places, explored together, 
they and we focused on the healing needed for all. Those learning continually how to trust Weichol shamans alongside of noted academic dignitaries, such as Joseph Campbell. There were many blessings along with the many edges, challenges, mistakes, and misses. The circle way of living and being, meeting and thinking, became our glue, our home, our safety net, as the mainstream way of working slowly disappeared. As a people, if I had to say, well, we were refugees or perhaps escapees from the matrix, the dominant patriarchal white Western culture, and pioneers at best with nature spirit and these teachers as our leaders. Council, as it came to be called the practice of, was something we needed to learn. A way of listening most modern Western people resisted, if not ignored. And soon, thanks to Joan, Jack Zimmerman, and my own persistence, this circle way developed into part of Ojai, part of life on the land, part of the teaching, a primary gift we were then obligated to share, offer, and give away to others. As Joan took up a deeper practice of Buddhism, she, along with Buddhists such as Joanna Macy, Bernie Glassman, and even Thich Nhat Hanh, took up a deeper practice of circle, of council, council of all beings, peacemaker circles, council with Vietnam vets, artists, and 100 environmental leaders after 10 days of silence with Thich Nhat Hanh. Those in the hierarchical seats of responsibility were actually supported and checked by those who were not continually. Within a month's cycle, there was opportunity for a far more balanced life in the area many felt most mattered. Ceremonies for the grief and rage, earth lodges for the prayers, singing for the heart, wild drumming for the spirit, soil, gardens, and building beauty in simple eco-structures for the body, celebrations of the seasons, the passages, the tiny momentary successes we had towards creating a more healthy, whole culture. Some there with money, some without. Most there in service were white, while many of the students from the schools in L.A., as well as most of the teachers, were from other cultures, races, and countries. I remember Native Americans living with us for a time, one becoming head of TOF finance, actually, as well as so many being our significant teachers and leaders. I remember Tibetan monks coming on tour for the first time to share their chants, choosing the Ojai Foundation to be their home base. I remember a beautiful young African-American man training for a long time with Native Elder and then becoming our sweat lodge leader. To be honest, coming from the world I had been living in, having a woman at the helm was reassuring. Joan had vision, charisma, determination, and dedication. She was the queen of hosts, 
calling in some of the best teachers of our time. Spiritual teachers, healers, scientists, this vision was grounded in the circle of life. Rupert Sheldrake, Francisca Varela were in company with Father Bede Griffith and Wallace Black Elk. The core of our separation was being tended to. Separation between nature and humans, science and spirit, God and goddess. Through counsel, when we at least showed up, all had a voice, if not a longer say. Now that is not to say all or any of the power dynamics within ourselves or our systems were worked out. Yet they were certainly challenged, stretched, and redefined daily, if not newly defined daily, when the circle was engaged and strong. For me, despite, or perhaps because of, those challenges of stormy weather, life intense, sitting each week with people in deep life inquiries, something in all of the craziness of trying to keep it together, something was very right. One might say, on a soul level. Though far from the North Star, we were at least headed in the right direction. I had found a place, a project, if not a community, that was committed to putting Earth first, recognizing that our well-being was interconnected, simply a part of. Though I and others were consistently overwhelmed with what to do, how to care for the land, ourselves, each other, and all who came, it was my calling to do so, and that is what mattered. In no way were any of these formative years at Ojai a peaceful culture we would offer as any model. Yet despite the ragtag team living in tents, despite the unpracticed outbursts of pain, injustice, anger at ourselves, our neighbors, or the world, despite our miscommunications and hours on end trying to work out collectively what to do, where to build, or what even to eat, despite our craziness, or maybe just because of it, I feel we made a small step, a tiny imprint of a way so needed in our world. Many grew our souls, expressing our longings. We opened our hearts, daring to say that we wanted more, something different than what the system offered. We at least some, expanded our minds, connecting with chaos theory, neuroimmunology, and Western explanations of life alongside the oldest indigenous knowledge still alive. Our ecologies were affected. What and why we built with Earth. Our politics were infected with an awareness of something around colonization, Treatment of indigenous peoples worldwide and on this land was in the past and the present we knew way off. And many of us have had to continue to live such questions as how are we complicit? How are we part of the problem or part of the solution? And where are we to be and what is ours to do? 
The Ojai Foundation continued to struggle and thrive over the next 30 years as it does still today. Growing gardeners while growing gardens is no small task, and worthy intentions are not always enough. Some are bound to carry stories of hurt, offense, defeat, and confusion as in all relationships. And yet, worthy intentions were and are valuable, a kind of sanity in an insane landscape called Western development. Thich Nhat Hanh's words continue to ring in me. You may not always get there, but head in the direction of that North Star. North for us meant creating a place for any and all people to care for each other, for others, for all of life, for this world. TOF became known for rites of passage, a place for kids to learn more of what it was to truly be an adult, for middlers to become elders, for one at any age to begin again if needed, to live their dreams, to be whole, to be connected, to be part of nature and not separate. And the good news was that the Ojai Foundation was not the only place or people waking up to the import of old ways Earth ways, new community, rites of passage, circle ways, ceremonies of grief, of healing, of renewal, of birth. Many First Nation peoples had fortunately for all of us never changed their worldview, even with its suppression and the death of so many. <laughs>